0: Welcome to On Culture. On this podcast, we talk about culture and faith and the world and our place in it. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support our work and explore all of our content on our website, theembassy.substack.com. Here's Mike. And welcome back to another episode of On Culture. Unculture is the podcast of the Embassy, and you can find that at the embassy.substack.com. I am joined uh, this day uh, by Susan James, a, a frequent, frequent uh, conversation partner here on Unculture. Uh, on uh, Susan's a, a therapist, and I uh, value her, her insight and opinion. How are you doing this morning, Good Susan? morning.
1: Well, wow, thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, you were telling me that it was... Uh, it was uh perhaps a rough morning because you didn't have as much as many coffee pods uh, in the inventory as you are normally accustomed to. Yeah,
1: it was a crisis at my house, but um, yeah, it'll be okay.
0: Yeah, i I agree. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, you, it sounds like I'm being facetious, but it sends a shiver down my spine. And you know, here's not to not to rub it in, but all
1: right, drink coffee right in front of me. Thank you. We go. Yeah, I've got good old water. Um, <laughs>
0: uh well uh, i want to talk uh today about uh the church uh you know the last few uh dispatches from the embassy have been sort of church themed Mm -hmm. and perhaps a bit bit where the church has maybe gone off the rails or gone uh gone wrong um and so i guess i want to start with just your sense of from your own experience, uh, from talking to clients, some of whom go to church, some of whom don't. Mm-hmm. Just sort of where do you think the church is um as we sit here in twenty twenty three? Like what's just off the top, no prep,
1: like what's going on oh. with the church? in your opinion. I I think it, um, it seems like it's a microcosm of what's going on in our culture. You know, it's divided just like our culture is. And it seems to me that it's, um, like you talk about in this piece, um, there's those who are still very engaged in the, um, foundation of the doctrine, which not only includes, um, god's laws or you know requirements um but also uh practicing what christians um you know what what it preaches what the doctrine preaches and then there's those Mm -hmm. that um like you said claim the label of christians or evangelicals Mm -hmm. but instead maybe are focused more on the law and less the practice of grace. And also it's more important for them to be right than be in relationship. And I think that's what I've seen more in my practice is how important, whether they're Christians or non-Christians, it doesn't matter, is the importance in this culture war um, to show that, we're right and kind of beat the other one into submission or conversion or whatever. And that just doesn't happen. It just polarizes Mm -hmm. even more. Mm.
0: Yeah. I think that's, I mean, the need to be right. I mean, it makes sense if my, if I'm I'm identifying with my claimed belief set, Mm -hmm. then all that matters is I'm right about that claimed belief set and that, Mm You know, any threat to it has to be vigorously defended. Uh, but if I am defined by right, if I am defined by a whole bunch of other things, including relationships, including you know a membership in a community, uh, including you know being part of God's story, mm-hmm. uh, being in His family with other people, and and a bunch of other things in which the this you know the doctrine of Christianity espouses. Uh, if I'm defined by those things, then I have the freedom to be, uh, to prioritize some beliefs over others to, you know, to be, I'm not sure about that one. Uh, or that's a difficult mm-hmm. question. I'm sure about these things. I'm not sure, about. you have a lot more freedom to, uh, you know, to sort of, uh, pick out the doctrines that you think are central or, allow, you know, mm-hmm. centuries of, of theologians to help you understand uh, that you are also in community with in a certain way, uh, understand what is central and then what is secondary or peripheral and not to right. not to divide or put too much pressure or emotional energy. But that all of that presupposes me being defined by other things rather than the doctrine I am choosing. Mm-hmm. And once I do that, then I'm kind of stuck, right?
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Um do you think it applies beyond the church to like politics or it's the same I mean, people who aren't really engaged in any sort of political uh, you know any any real world uh you know attempts to solve political issues or cultural issues, but who identify with political parties doctrine, and, if you yeah,
1: will. Yeah, right. And I think but I think right. it's it's very similar. It's, you know, um, this is, this is what I believe I need to be right. And I'm building my own world. And, um, I think, I don't know if this is exactly what you're asking, but, um, Tim Keller, um, I listened to that podcast or his, um, sermon that you spoke of the garden city of God. And I thought that was really good. And, but he talks about, um, you know, we can build our city in two different ways. And one is, and non-Christians and also Christians who maybe are not in the church practicing this doctrine, we can um, build it with our own power and have to get our identity based on who we are other than God's children or Christians, you know? And that's exhausting and we're constantly striving. And then there is... Um, The people who are very comfortable with their identity in God and Mm -hmm. are involved in the worship and, um, you know, service to others and relationships. And that's more important to them other than being right. And they become because they're comfortable and hardy who they are and not trying to strive to, you know, be something or prove something to someone who doesn't believe the same things you know, they become more attractive because they're more at rest in who they are, you know, which I see that drawing in relationship versus a competition. And I think we've, I think even, um, you know, other than politics, but politics has become this too. Everything in this world has become a competition more than, you know, relationships working together. Um, Yeah, so- Mm. That's kind of my thought
0: on that. Well, it seems like, yeah, so competition, um, you know, is is perhaps inherent in conflict. Win-lose, it's not win-win. Mm-hmm. Win. It can't be, nothing can be win-win. Nothing can be mutual beneficial. Either I win or you win. Um, and then so it, everything becomes then part of the culture war then. Mm-hmm. Every, I mean, everything does. Because, you know, if there's more than one position to take, I have to take the right one and win
1: it. And I think Um, in your, I'm sorry, I think in your last podcast, you talked about the goal being winning versus trying to come up with common ground and, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and when we get that goal as winning, it kind of loses, you know, the whole idea, you know, that's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. you know what does that prove it just polarizes even more
0: yeah and i think that because of the story we're actually in that we're image bearers we're god's children in his story winning isn't going to work i mean it's mm-hmm. just not it's not a possibility especially if it, you know if it's a war of being right then one uh, one divisive Conflict just leads to another, Mm -hmm. uh, it seems. And they they become ever finer. And instead of Christians battling against some cultural enemy, let's say, you know, the trans lobby or the whatever, uh, some cultural supposed, then it, it, you know, it keeps getting smaller and moves closer to home. I don't know if you were following the whole uh, Southern Baptist Convention you know the latest gathering where they voted out Saddleback and a bunch of other churches mm. because they had women with the title pastor. Mm-hmm. Were you following that? No,
1: I haven't, but I've I've heard, you know, yeah. rumblings of it, yeah. Oh, I mean across it's the really country the same where idea. yeah. Yeah,
0: and, and for for decades and decades this has been true that, you know, the Southern Baptist Convention at least on its face you know, it's they're independent churches, they, they're they in broad agreement, they're in broad cooperation, mm-hmm. but they're not dictating particular positions on particular issues like, right. you know, male leadership in the church or for whatever. Right. And now it just becomes this thing, well, if you're wrong, if we think you're wrong. So you
1: can't be part of us. Then we think you're wrong us. about the
0: Bible. Then we think you're wrong. You can't be, you can't be part of us. Part of us, go. right. Right. And so it becomes, it's, it's becoming... Um, it, it, more and more extreme, like there's no end to it. It's mm-hmm. like a black hole that it just sucks everything into this, this conflict. And I don't, tell me what you think of this, but I think at the root of all of that seems to be fear.
1: Oh, sure. Uh,
0: it seems like a move from fear in a way that I'm not sure I can totally e- explain, but that's what it feels like to
1: me. Yeah, It does. And I think that's even true of having to be right because... If you tell me something that I don't agree with and you are able to, you know, have a good argument for that, what if I'm wrong, then what, you know, if I'm not right, you know, where am I there? And, you know, if someone is different, different than me, I mean, this goes back to the level of, you know, elementary school, somebody being different than me, you know, that's kind of, we might treat them not as well or you know, because they're different. We don't understand them. And because they produce fear and fear in us, the unknown, you know, what does that mean? Mm. And mm. I don't know. And I think that's what is out in the world too. We don't totally understand people with different, we're not even willing a lot of times to listen to people with other views mm-hmm. because it's too scary to think we about. Might
0: con- we might be contaminated, you know, right, with contaminated their,
1: and then with what? their
0: badness. Right.
1: Right. And then what? And then, and then what? I do
0: think if you if I define myself by being I have to be right, then I'm naturally going to be afraid, whether I admit it or not. I'm afraid of being wrong, mm-hmm. and I would you know afraid of admitting I'm wrong. Uh, if that's who I am, I'm the person who's right about this. Something right. down, you know, sense of identification
1: to uh, uh, break,
0: and then everything. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead.
1: Um, no, it just made me well, think.
0: I think uh, I... Go ahead. I just think everything then becomes that same conflict over and over again. And the
1: fear drives all of it. Well, to break it down even further, and this is very simplistic, but I remember when I was first married, you know, I guess I I can't remember the situation, but I must've been complaining to my parents about my husband for some reason or whatever. And, you know, we were squabbling. And I guess that we did that often. And my dad told me, So is it more important for you to be right or be in relationship? And that has always stuck with me. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, it's more important for me to be in relationship and actually have a relationship with my husband. Because if it's always every conversation we have at the table, if I have to be right, where does that get me? You know, Mm -hmm. but, you know.
0: Yeah. And if you think about it, it's not even being right. It's everyone else knowing I'm right, right. I have to demonstrate exactly. to everyone else in the room I can't sit and quietly be right yeah right I no. have to I have to rub it in your face in front of everyone and tell you what admit oh yes I'm wrong
1: you're right right that's kind of the right it's, isn't that right yeah I mean I want my husband to know that I'm smarter than him and I want the world to know my opinion is you know <laughs> more important yeah no. yeah
0: <laughs> And so, um, okay, so as more and more, we live in a culture that has tried to define itself by sort of a set of beliefs uh, or claims without, you know, devoid of any practice. Obviously, Mm -hmm. that seems to have infected the church where people, you know, the data definitely shows that evangelicals in particular who hold to you know, at least a certain, you know, they would say they hold to evangelical doctrine. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I would think many of these people hold to a certain subset of evangelical right. doctrine and are forgetting other, other parts of it. Um, but they uh, not just in this uh, study that I, that I showed the study had a lot of this article had a lot of nice graphs. So that's why, but that basically there's little to no practice at all. Not even, uh, you know Bible reading or, mm-hmm. or prayer there's no service or giving it's not just that they don't attend church anymore right it's they don't do any of the disciplines that go along with being in a community in mm-hmm. a church and yet they're more committed to the doctrines that they find important than ever
1: right and and I think doesn't that speak to the fair you spoke of as well you know, because if you're not, I don't know about you, but when I'm not as connected to the source, you know, to the Holy spirit, to the community, mm-hmm. I'm less secure about who I am. So I have to stick to something, you know, I have to pronounce it or whatever. Cause it's scary not to feel that, I don't know, that belonging, that power, that um, sense of knowing who I am, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I, uh, I struggled with how, uh, in a sense, how hard to be, uh, with this group of people, uh, mm-hmm. you know, cause I, I, I'm struggling. I don't want to come across as condemning, mm-hmm. but I think the data is pretty condemning in the sense that, you know, people who, um, uh, for instance, the, you know, the most intolerant, uh, the least tolerant people are those who believe the Bible is literally true. At the same time, the most tolerant people are those who attend religious services once a week. And so obviously a lot of people who attend religious services once a week believe the Bible is literally true. Mm -hmm. So what that means, I think, is it's pretty hard to escape the conclusion that those who believe the Bible is literally true but never attend church, their intolerance outweighs you know the tolerance of the churchgoers, right? And why that, is that, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And why right, is that? Right. And why is that? And I think that there's a sense in which it kind of becomes this vicious cycle. Um, you're not connected to other people, or beholden to other people, or responsible to other people, or for other people. And so everything just becomes. Um, I don't want to say it's a game, but it all—it's it, an abstraction like you're intolerant in a way, but you're not even, I mean, you're, it's, it's like a social media slash culture war slash sit at home and watch TV and be angry Mm -hmm. sort of intolerance that seems entirely self-defeating. Right. Uh, and disengaging from the world. Right. Right.
1: And not attractive to, I wouldn't think anyone except people doing the same thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah. and you ta- yeah. and you talked yeah. right. about Tim Keller being accused of being winsome, you know, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, and I would think people outside the church would find that more attractive than the beating sure. over the head, you know, with my political sure. statement on social media. But I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think there's, I mean, I picked that sort of because it's it's it seems there were other arguments over words, which is one of the things Paul warns Timothy about, you mm-hmm. know, don't quarrel over words or stupid, foolish quarrels, yeah, you know? Right. Um, but that one seemed particularly ridiculous mm-hmm. in, in so many different ways, because there are verses, you know, in books evangelicals are supposed to read like Galatians and, you know, in the Bible <laughs> You know, they talk about have your you know have your speech be seasoned with grace, mm-hmm. and you know um, that this whole idea that you know um, you know to reach uh, this group of people, I became like them, identified with them, in order to translate the gospel to them. All of this is all throughout, and so Tim Keller, who in Manhattan with conservative, essentially conservative Christian doctrine. Uh, you know, starts a church that grows to 5,000 people in, in Manhattan, you know, that somehow he's got it wrong. Right. But us angry people who are trying to stay, I mean, it, it is the Pharisees all over again. It is. That you're being too nice to people who are wrong is essentially what they're saying. Mm-hmm. You know, you might give them the idea you like them. You might give them the idea that God loves them or whatever. It's just, it's really ridiculous. And yet, it's real uh that oh yeah so he'll talk to he'll talk to he'll bring somebody up on stage who's gay and ask them about their experience whatever it might be and it it seems like uh, um like people who have entirely missed the thread and yet a lot of these people outside of, of the community of faith outside any sort of connection to even a pastor that's their pastor that they know personally it seems so easy to fall into this Mm -hmm. spin cycle and in a way it it on the one hand it seems to demand nothing of me i can be angry i can be righteously angry so on and so on
1: it's almost a victim Uh, mentality
0: (laughs) right yeah it is and it's sort of it it it, i am you know the victim of your false of your falseness Mm -hmm. your false belief uh it nothing about it is christianity right really yeah i mean you
1: know
0: right right and i listen a lot of things i do obviously don't reflect christianity
1: right Uh,
0: but a lot of this is done in the name of preserving real christianity and it's it's like it's the opposite of (laughs) you know it is uh and this is what the world tends to see um and you know and
1: so I was, I'm wondering too, is, I don't know about you, but I have found times like, even like during COVID mm-hmm. where, um, you know, I didn't attend church or feel like I was, um, in my community mm-hmm. yeah. or whatever, or I'm not reading the Bible, my Bible as much or not worshiping my, whatever it is that, that, um, which talks about Christianity and being in the community and being connected to the vine. um, I know for me, when I'm in that place, when I'm not doing those things, it's a lot easier to kind of forget what that's like, forget what it's like to feel the grace of God and others in my life, and to where I'm weak, they're strong, and where I'm weak, He's strong, and vice versa, and all of that. It's easy to forget. And I might remember, you know, what the Bible says about. This is wrong. And this is, you know, we don't practice Mm -hmm. this way and we don't do that, but we forget what it's like to live in that community and feel the grace of God and others in our lives, you know, Mm. but when, and so we act out of, and like you said, maybe fear, it's like, oh, I'm not in this community. I'm kind of on my own or with others that are not connected right now. And what I, but I still have to be a Christian. I want, you know, I still am a Christian, but you know, I'm more acting out of place as a lone wolf and not in this community, remembering what that is like and how, mm-hmm. how it feeds me and fills me up, you know, mm-hmm. the same. I don't know. It was just a thought.
0: Yeah. So all the other Christian ties or whatever connections become more and more tenuous or mm-hmm. whatever. So I'm going to double down right. on this. Yeah. Right. I'm going to, this is my identity. I'm going to hold on to this ever more tightly uh, I do, I mean, obviously, I mean, a lot of people stopped going to church during the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, because of the pandemic and, um, different parts of the country, you know, you really couldn't, you know, gather in person and, uh, you know, people virtually and so on. Uh, I do think a lot of that, and this is just my personal opinion, you know, all, a lot of these disruptions in a sense that they reveal more than they cause, uh, right. so people who perhaps were attending church but weren't really integrated, mm-hmm. didn't feel part of the community, um, sort of were trying to claim an identity without, you know, any sort of involvement or whatever, inherited identity or the, pan- the pandemic and stopping all that sort of caused them to reevaluate hey, why do I go to church? And right. so some of that isn't necessarily even, uh, bad that Mm reevaluation probably should have happened and hopefully these people i would say would find their way back to an authentic expression of faith Mm -hmm. um and so and it's that there's that there's all of the failure in the church the failure of of church leaders scandals you know over and over again and so there's lots of reasons for people to be disillusioned with the church and uh and so i'm not really i'm not trying to address people who uh, are struggling to find their faith, right. struggling to find, understand what they believe. Who are not sure, uh, you know, if they belong in the church. That's really not the topic of people who is for you know what we're talking about mm-hmm. are people who kind of double down on the identity. Right. If anything, I mean, they're not struggling with this label. They, they're claiming it extra hard, mm-hmm. and yet they don't practice any of it. Uh, and it seems like a lose-lose, right. like, you know, the, the practice and the, the rhythms and the, the, you know, the channels of truth and grace and community and, and all of these things come through the church and through, you know, Christian practices. And if you, if you sort of don't have any of those and then you are trying to cling to the doctrine, the parts of the doctrine you're going to cling to are going to be distorted by that, right. are, you know, you're basically just going to be a Pharisee.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And I think that's why there's so much Pharisee stuff in the, in the gospels is because it's not just a historical, you know, interesting historical anachronism is that we can be Pharisees pretty easily. Pretty now. easily. And this seems like a new fairy is near Pharisee, you know, right.
1: Right. Out of wanting to be right or needing to be right or, you know, right.
0: Yeah. And wasn't that like the Jesus comes to the Pharisees and it's basically, well, he's not one of us. Right. Right.
1: Mm -hmm. And so let's kill him.
0: (laughs) So let's kill him. Yeah. Yeah. So this doctrinal division between us and other people, like the scrupulous Sabbath keeping, for instance, you know, he's not doing that. So therefore we know he's wrong. So therefore we know Mm -hmm. he's not the Messiah. So therefore, whatever. Um, it's the same, it seems the same impulse. It that, does. Uh, and it, It. I, I think in the moment it feels good, but it, it can't, it can't feel good mm-hmm. even. I mean, it isn't good, but it seems like in the long run, it can't even feel good. I mean, what do you think of because that? Because where, where, do, people... where does it lead?
1: You know, it leads to more. does it lead? Yeah, I feel like it just leads to more divisiveness and more quarrelling and more, you know, no resolution or, yeah, just a greater yeah, division. It makes
0: me think of. Have you read uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Great Divorce, which is I sort have. of about it's like a vision, right? It's a vision of hell, hell I think. Yeah. Uh, and people like they like they get farther and farther apart from each other. Mm-hmm. You know, certain precincts of hell, they kind of. You know they with like there's they withdraw so they're just kind of living in their own tiny little worlds, right? Uh, and that's what it, that's kind of what it feels like that they're withdrawing in their
1: own tiny little world. It worlds. does, which seems like you know people out of relationship they become an island of themselves. And I had a professor um, in seminary, he, uh, Doctor Zink. I know you know, but I rem- I remember mm-hmm. one day he was just kind of looking up. He goes, you know, I think it's all just I think. God's point is it's all about relationship. Relationship is everything. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. when we're not constantly, and and there's a lot of truth to that, you know, he he breaks it down very simplistically, but I think there is, I think. So I think that um, his point was, you know, God, um, you know, sent Jesus to reconcile us to himself. That's a relationship, you know, and if Mm -hmm. we're not about relationship, if it's more about us being right, we just kind of end up, on an island by ourselves and separated from others, you know, because of this or that, or, you know.
0: Yeah. And the purpose of that, you know, in that framework, the purpose of the doctrine is to define the parameters of our relationship with God, Mm -hmm. define what in truth our relationship with God is and should be, how it can be made right. You know, what the basis of our relationship to others should be. Um, you know, you know, love one another, bear with one another, submit mm-hmm. to one another, honor one another. All of these things require other people.
1: Right.
0: And you know, I can be as isolated as anybody. Um, you know, yeah, me too. Uh, and yeah, and so it's it's not like I'm I'm the super great pr- practitioner, mm-hmm. but I recognize that isolation right. isn't good. Uh, at least most of the time. And we need to push against
1: um, it when we find ourselves getting there. Right. You know.
0: Yeah. Right. Right, and I, I do think there's a, um, it, you know, what ends up happening is obviously the people outside of the church, what they see of the church is, I mean, it possibly isn't even the church. Right. Uh, it's people who claim the label, you know, mm-hmm. have the form and deny the power. But yet that's uh, who they
1: often remember, <laughs> you know, the ones on well, yeah, social and, media know, versus the ones rebuilt, yeah. helping rebuild their house after a catastrophe.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it feeds, of course, it feeds their, uh, you know, their often the desire to be divided from those people. It, you know, okay. reinforces it. See, and that's what mm-hmm. we tend to do, you know. Um, but it's, it you know, kind of as we're getting to the close here, I do think that, you know, it's interesting to me if Paul's writing to Timothy about, you know, watch out about this, watch out about that, You know, warn them before God about against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen, which kind of reminds me of the whole winsome and other Mm -hmm. words that Right. And it's all inside the church.
1: He's warning them about you know, those inside the church.
0: That's right. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. They know they produce quarrels, so on and so on. You know, you know, and he talks about people who arise who have a form of godliness but deny its power. Right. And that seems to name something about the moment that we're in. Mm, it does. And so I think that's for me, it's in a you know it's an it's a uh, encouragement uh, uh, to, you know, uh, encourages my need of others, uh, the church, uh, spiritual practices or relationships, because all of the cultural momentum is about believing mm-hmm. and identity. Mm-hmm. And, and then everything, you know, Barbie comes out. Hey, what's your take on Barbie? I don't have, I mean, but everything is that. You have to right. have a take on it. On something. It's somehow in this culture war framework, it's good or it's bad. Right. Uh, and I, you know, I haven't seen Barbie uh, yet. But either. that's kind of this, this idea that everyone has to, you know, and that's so easy. And being an actual community with people who love Barbie and people who hate Barbie at the same time, that's more difficult. It's yes. very difficult.
1: <laughs>
0: so that's where we're ending. We <laughs> it end. People it. who love Barbie and who hate Barbie.
1: That's at the right. Same time. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: All right. We're gonna leave it there. Thanks, Susan.
1: Uh, thank you, Mike.
0: Grace. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening. Do you enjoy On Culture? You can support us and the content produced by subscribing to our newsletter, The Embassy, by visiting theembassy.substack.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.